Now today, we're going to talk about generosity. What does generosity release in my life when I'm generous? Now, when it comes to finances, I think there are a lot of people that need God to come through in a big way in their life. They need a breakthrough. They need a miracle. And what I've seen many times is that people are waiting on God. Like, God, I need a miracle. God, won't you help me? And I mean, come on, we've all been there, right? You're like, your paycheck was just paid and all your money's been spent. Or you have an unexpected expense come up and you've just been struggling in this season. And what I find is very interesting. It's not a rich or poor thing. It's a life thing. I mean, you could be rich and have lots of assets but be cash poor. Come on, somebody. If you don't know that, I want you to know that. It's not whether, well, I was on the other side of the tracks. No, it's just a life thing. It's a fact that life has ebbs and flows, and there's sometimes where you need more and sometimes when you're doing just fine. And so many people are praying, God, I need you to bring a breakthrough in my life. But what I want to propose is that God is waiting on us instead of us should be waiting on God. Like, like how many know God's already done what he's going to do? Like, he's waiting for us to jump into his system. He's waiting for us to live our life and do our part and to operate with his principles to experience the breakthrough that we need in our lives. Now, have you ever wrestled with the question of, is it okay for the, me to ask God to bless my life? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, in today's culture, sometimes it's looked down on like, why would you want God to make you rich or wealthy or blessings? And, and so sometimes we can wrestle with that. Like, well, God, I mean, maybe if I just have enough, that's okay. I, I want you to know, and I want you to hear it from your pastor, that God wants you to be blessed. Wow. I got four people that said, thank you, Bobby, wherever Bobby's at. I heard him. Bobby's like, that's right, pastor. God wants me to be blessed. Right? I mean, because, listen, some of it sounds very self-serving. You're right. Well, well, are you sure me blessed? Yeah, yeah. God wants you to be blessed. And what I want you to do is come on a journey with me today. I want to I wanna exposit the Word of God and build some faith in your life. Because I need you to know God wants you to be blessed. Now, we've got to watch our motive. Thank you, Robert. Look, we've got to watch the motive. See, i got two people that are going to walk out of here with some blessing. Now, if the motive is I need to be blessed so that I can get more stuff, I mean, no, God's not looking for you to be selfish and stingy and, and to get blessings for yourself, but God is looking for a people that would receive the blessing from God and bless the world around them, that we would be conduits of God's blessing to the world and, and, and we would allow them to experience the goodness of God. Look, God don't get any glory out of you being broke. I know there's this whole gospel of poverty, like I just won't make it into heaven. No, 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 baby. I want all of heaven on earth as much as I can have. And then when we get to heaven, it's going to be amazing as well. But I believe we are called to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. And God ain't broke. The Bible says there'll be a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. And I want to be a part of that transfer in my life. But see, the thing is, I got stuff. Stuff ain't got me. I've got the blessing, but the blessings don't have me. And that's where we got to be careful and, and make sure that our life is focused on it for the right reason. And we're going to dive into Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and look at what Luke actually says. He's the author of Acts, and he says, you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. So he's going to quote what Jesus said. He says, it is more blessed to give than to 
receive. Now, last weekend, Pastor Willie talked about receiving and channels, and absolutely, we need channels of income and wealth and, and, and things and ideas coming from God. But how I many know we cannot be a dam? We need, we need to be a reservoir. We've got to let that pass through us because God wants us to be blessed, and the way it is is we take the blessings he's given us and we give them away. Come on. The blessing comes not in getting but in giving. It's not about accumulating more wealth so I can have more stuff. It's about giving what I have so I can bless more people. And so, I mean, think about this. How many of you can remember a time when you were touched in a significant way, a significant moment happened in your life when you bought something for yourself? I mean, just whoa, like, wow, that was, I mean, nobody goes into Best Buy and is crying out the door because you bought the biggest, best TV. It's amazing. Wait, why, why are you crying, man? Because I got a big screen TV and surround sound. It's awesome. I mean, we, we don't see that very often, right? I mean, I don't think I've ever had that happen to me. I mean, no, no woman says, I've never felt closer to God than when I first bought my, my Kate Spade purse. Like when I bought that purse and I put it on, oh, I knew God loved me. I felt it. I felt it in the city of my soul. I mean, nobody, right? No, no. I mean, you may be glad. I mean, thank God for nice things. You got nice things? Anybody got nice things? Thank God for nice things. But the truth is you'll never be more touched, not when you get nice things, but when you're a blessing to someone else's life. When you're blessing someone that can't do it for themselves or the Lord just speaks to you. I remember a while back, Phyllis bought this really nice purse. And Phyllis doesn't spend a lot of money on herself. She's typically spending money on the kids and groceries. She'll buy things for me. Rarely does she ever spend money on herself. But she found this purse that she really, really loved. So she bought it and she brought it home. And I'm like, baby, that's awesome. It's so beautiful and it's amazing. And that's great place for all the little pockets. And it's got a matching wallet. I mean, it just had all the accessories, you know, just awesome. And so she puts all of her stuff in it. And she, every day, she's like, I just love my new purse. I just love my new purse. And, you know, a couple weeks go by, and all of, all of a sudden she comes home, and she doesn't have her purse. And I'm like, Phyllis, where's your purse? And she said, well, about that purse. And uh, she had been to the, the, the store and been to a, a department store and was buying some clothes, and one of the ladies at the register said, I really like your purse. Phil's like, well, I like it too. Don't you look, it even has all this stuff. And lady's like, wow, that is just so, so nice. And was going on about it. And Phyllis didn't think anything of it, put all of her items in the bag, started to walk to the car. And she said, in that moment, the Lord really spoke to me. I want you to go give that purse to that lady. You know where I'm going with this. She, she just immediately obeyed God. No, she said, God, are you sure? Is that you? And <clears throat> she wrestled. A little bit. There was a little bit of a wrestle on my title. Because I, I know for me, how many ladies just like, devil, you're a liar. You're trying to rob my blessing. <laughs> you know how it is. You, you with me? She's like, no, that's, that's God. So she walks back in and she hands the lady her purse and said, I feel like the Lord told me to bless you with this purse. And she said that lady had the biggest smile. I mean, you could tell she had been touched. She's just someone would care enough to give her some and then to know that it was from God. I mean, that's when you're blessed. I mean, I remember even just a while back, I was standing in Kroger's getting some, some uh, items that I need to get from the house. Now, I only needed a couple of things. So I go to the express line, and you had some lady in there. She had 27 items. You know, that's probably who would be, you'd, you'd like, 
you're counting her stuff. That ain't 15. That's like 27. Well, I'm bundling them. They all go together. And so she's standing there. I'm just kind of like, wow, come on, for real? I'm in a hurry. I got to go. And so she starts going through all the, 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 the scanned items. And, and the lady says, well, it's going to be X amount of dollars. And she hands her the card. I don't know if it's a debit card or gift card. I don't know what it was. The lady runs it and says, ma'am, there's not enough money. It, it's declined. And you could tell that lady was really embarrassed. She had a couple of kids with her, and they started to put things back. Well, maybe you could put this back, and maybe you could put that back, and look, we don't really need this. Have you ever seen someone go through that? And so I'm sitting there, and I just felt like the Lord said, just buy her groceries. No big deal. I just said, hey, ma'am, I got it. It's all taken care of. Just leave it here. I'll add my stuff to it. God loves you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You would have thought I bought that lady a brand new car. Tears welling up in her eyes. Why would you do that? I said, God loves you. That's why. And just the touching of her heart that someone would care enough about her situation. Here's my point. That's what moves us. What? Touching people's lives, making a difference in people's lives. It's not buying more stuff for ourselves. Look, God wants us to be blessed, but it's so we can be a blessing. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. It says, yes, God will give you much. Look, God's going to give you a lot. Say, God's going to give me a lot. Now look at the next few words. It says, so that, oh, that, that blessing comes with a purpose. Oh, you're going to bless me so that I can have more stuff. So that I can be pampered a little bit more. So that I can feel better about myself. No, 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 look what he says. So I can give much away. Wow. God, you want me to be blessed so that I can be a blessing. And then look at what it says. It says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. I need you to get this inside of you. It was funny, last week one of the people from our church posted the message on debt trap and all that, and it was so funny. Uh, He said something like, look, God wants me to be blessed to be a blessing, and someone else started hating on their Facebook. How many know we got a whole lot of haters? Come on, Reverend Swift said, hey, they're going to hate, hate, hate. Come on, haters going to hate. And uh, in an interest, like, get off our Facebook page, homeboy. And he's like, God don't want you to be blessed. It's like, okay, what do you think? God wants us to be broke? I mean, think about this. The mentality that you have to get is it's not wrong for me to be blessed. In fact, God wants us to be blessed. We as a church, look, I'm really excited to tell you we're actually funding another church plant in Iran. Here's the cool thing. There's one point some odd million people there, and you guys are a part of funding a church plant of over 100 people And they're the only known Christians in all of that city. Now, let me ask you this. Could we as a church do that if we were broke? Could we as a church help pay the expenses and the cost and and see lives changed in a different country where there is no gospel witness if you didn't have resources? God never intended for us to be broken. If we're not careful, you'll subscribe to a poverty mentality like, God, I just want to make it to heaven. I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want to do all that God wants us to do in this earth. In other words, I want to depopulate hell and I want to populate heaven. And when we are generous, when we're conduit, it says, the Bible says that people will say, why are you doing that? And we can always just point right back to God because there's a God in heaven and he loves you. So look, God's going to give us much so that we can give much 
away. And, and so many people say, God, I'm ready for you to bless me. God, I want you to bless me. But the question is, if God blesses you, can God trust you? See, that's the real question. Because we know his heartbeat is to bless us. But I wonder sometimes you're like, but God, you're blessing them, and God, you're blessing them, and God, you're blessing them. And what God would say is, I want to bless you, but the difference is I can trust them and I need to develop you. And that's where we have this mentality of, okay, if I get God's heart and I can understand, then the word of God will build faith in my life. And faith produces the action that brings the change that we all want to experience. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why do we struggle with generosity, right? we got to go into the mentality of what would cause me as a person to struggle with being generous if it, that's the nature of God. Well, the first thing is we're in bondage. A lot of us are in bondage. Week number one, we talked about it. A lot of people are strapped. They're in debt. Uh, they can't pay their bills. They're barely making it. And so when you want to give, you just can't afford to give. And we know that debt is a bondage. Look at Proverbs 22.7. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower, everybody say the borrower, is slave to the lender. So when we borrow on credit cards and all the debt that we have, we become a slave to the lender. If you don't think so, don't pay your bill. I mean, oh, you got a car note? Don't pay your bill and see what happens. You got a house? Don't pay your house note and see what happens. We're going to take your house. And so we become a slave. We get caught up in this cycle of trying to pay the person that we borrowed from. And so we have to realize our goal is to be debt-free. Now, you know, there's good debt and bad debt. And, you know, everybody usually has to start off buying the house in some kind of debt. But the goal is, how I many you know, we want to pay off the house. Can I get an amen? I don't want to pay on the house till I'm 85 years old. I want to pay it off and be debt-free, so we got to get rid of the bondage. The second thing is we're skeptical. Now, when we talk about being skeptical, there has been an abuse of this prosperity message. Uh, there have been some preachers, and I don't want to be harsh or critical, but you'll hear them say something like, we give to get. Like, I'm going to give $100, and I expect God to give me $1,000. Now, where that could happen, and God can do whatever he wants, I mean, no, I don't give to get, I give to give. Like, I give because I am generous, and however God decides to bless me, I'm not giving for the blessing, I'm giving for the God who blesses. And so we have to reject this, uh, this prosperity gospel of it's all about get it, giving to get. Uh, and the motivation should really be like, God, I'm going to bless the world. Look at what God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 too. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. So God's declaring his will to Abraham, and we are the offspring of Abraham. And he says, look, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So think about it. When's the last time you were able to bless people? If the, if the answer is never or a long time, I wonder if you're walking in the fullness of God's promises. Why? Because God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And really the heartbeat, and that is the heartbeat of generosity, it's others, others, it's others. I'm giving to advance the kingdom. I'm giving to impact lives. I'm giving so that the world will know that there is a God in heaven. So the third reason and the third obstacle is that we live with a scarcity mentality, a scarcity mentality. So we tend to think that there's just not enough. A lot of times what will happen is we think if we give, there's actually going to be less left over. You know what I mean? That's just the typical mindset of most people, and that's 
typical in most situations, but not the kingdom of God. Now, as an office uh, at, our, at our Dream Center, our staff, we eat out quite a bit, and many times we'll have someone run and go get us lunch, and so they'll go get us some holy chicken. Anybody know what the holy chicken is? The Chick-fil-A? You know what I'm talking about, Chick-fil-A? And so it's very interesting. They'll get everybody's order, someone to walk around, and then they come to me. Now, when they come to me, I'm not picky. I just know what I want. So I tell them I want a number one. If you don't know what that's, the chicken sandwich. I want value-sized fries, not the little ones. I want the big ones. Why? Because I'm a big boy. And I want the value-sized tea. Why? Because the other one is just a sip. I want the value size. I want the big one. And I want four lemons, and I want six sweet and low. And I ain't done yet. I want four. Everybody say four. Four Chick-fil-A sauces. And that's not to share. I need all four. I need two for my chicken sandwich, and I need the other two for the fries. And I got it down to a science. Like, I know exactly what I need. And so you know how it is. You sit around the table. You're just chilling, and everybody dumps out their bag. Ain't nobody got Chick-fil-A sauce for me. Why? Because they didn't ask. I asked, and so then they'll come, they'll reach across and say, oh, you got extra. No, 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 baby, I ain't got no extra. <laughs> you mean you're going to eat all four of your Chick-fil-A sauces? I'm going to eat every one. Pastor, that's selfish. No, baby, I asked, and I'm not giving you one of my Chick-fil-A sauces. I will cut you. <laughs> Why? Because if I give you a sauce, there's only three left. There is less left over. Come on. But how many know with God, that's not so? It never runs out. That God's kingdom doesn't operate like that. That God always has more than enough. And though it doesn't make sense in the natural, because we've been taught and raised on this scarcity mentality, it doesn't change the principles that God wants us to live by. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Says the world of the generous gets larger. Well, I thought when I give, it gets smaller. Like I don't, I have less. No, no, no. He actually says your world gets larger and larger, and the world of a stingy person gets smaller and smaller. So that means when you're stingy, you think you're building up. No, no, your world is actually getting smaller, and you're losing influence. Then look at what it says. It says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. God's economy operates different than the world's economy. The blessings of God will grow in our lives when we make a commitment to grow in our generosity. Do you hear that? The blessings of God will grow in my life when I make a commitment to grow in my generosity. You want more of God's blessing? Grow in your generosity. Even when it doesn't make sense, that's where we live our life on the principles of God's word. And when we are generous, it's amazing to see what doors of opportunity will open up. It's amazing to see what God does in our life. Look, Paul is writing to the Christians in Corinth, and look at what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, remember this. So I want you to remember this. I want you to take note of this. I want you guys... To make sure you mark this down, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if I sow little, I'm going to reap little. It says, whoever sows generously is also going to reap generously. So what we receive is in direct correlation to what we give. Some of you say, well, I hadn't gotten anything in a lot. It's probably because you haven't given anything. And I'm not just talking about money. Listen, it's not, money is the lowest form of our life. Like, we ought to settle that issue now and forever. Like, we're thinking about this. If you want forgiveness, how many know you need to give? 
If you want friends, how many know you need to be friendly? Yeah. So if you want peace, how many know you need to be peaceable? You've got to be peaceful to those around you. And so, and, and so it works in every aspect of our life. We've got to recognize I only get back what it is that I sow. It's called the law of reciprocity. Are you with me? Okay, so we've got some of this as a foundation. Now, how do I cultivate generosity in my life? And I just want to spend a few minutes on this. How do I cultivate generosity in my life? Because I want to be that conduit where God's blessings flow through me to the world around me. The first one is this. You've got to trust God with the tithe. You've got to trust God with the tithe. Now, I can already hear somebody say, really, Pastor, that tithe thing again? Yes, the tithe thing again. Why? Because check it out. Ties is the foundation that a life of generosity is built upon. That has to be the very core of who we are as Christians. And so we have to settle this issue with tithes once and for all. Someone say, well, what is tithe? Well, it comes from a Hebrew word, which means one-tenth. One-tenth. Look at Leviticus 2730. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? to the Lord, and must be set apart as holy. Now, isn't that interesting? It didn't say it belonged to you and we're asking you to come give it. It's that part already belongs to God. So the tithe, we don't give tithes. We return back to God the tithe. That means it already belonged to him. He owns it all. And so what I'm doing is I'm a good steward and return back the tithe. Now, we don't live in an agricultural society per se. I know people think Rosenberg is the sticks in the country. But when's the last time any of you farmed a farm? That's what I thought. Nobody. (laughs) So we got a lot of farms out here. But the truth is our currency is not crops and food. Our currency is money. And so though you wouldn't give a tenth of your crop to God because you don't have it, you would give a tenth of what your life produces, which is income. Are you with me? So we give the first 10% of our income to God. Why? Because it's his money. It is already belongs to him, and I'm simply returning back to him and setting it apart as Holy. We see this all throughout Scripture. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there will be food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven. Thought that was great. Pastor Willie talked about windows, that God gives us channels of wealth. And so the windows of heaven, it says, I'll pour out a blessing so great you're not going to have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, when he's talking about that, temple represents the local church. So God's saying, look, when you bring your tithe to the local church, think about this. You're actually helping people grow in their relationship with God. So just like the natural body needs food to nourish the body and to give strength to our body, how many know our spirit man needs spiritual food so that we grow in our spiritual life? And so when we tithe, we're actually building up the house of God so that there is food for the people that are hungry. And think about all the people that give their life to Christ each and every week. Last weekend, I think we had 11 people say yes to Jesus. Uh, Amazing. How does that happen? Because you have a church with faithful tithers and givers that make it possible for people to eat spiritual food that God would have them eat. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, look, if I give 10% of my income, how am I going to pay for all the other expenses that I have? 
right? I get it. I understand that. You know, if I start tithing, you think this, I'm going to have to drastically change the way I spend money. Yes. Yes. I mean, but, but you know, pastor, if I start tithing, I mean, it takes faith. Like it doesn't add up. Now, look, I'm a budgets guy. Uh, we have a great budget for our church. We have a budget for my personal finances. You know, I know how much we spend in my personal finances, the church, and all the different things. I love it. Tithing is the one time I would tell you to take away the budget. This is why. To someone who doesn't tithe, you're not under the blessings of God. It's never going to add up. It's not until you cross over and take a step of faith that now you have more than enough to do it. So it's one of those things. It's like, God, I got to take a leap. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how we're going to do it. God's like, I know that. That's how come tithing takes faith, and you got to trust my super on top of your natural. And then when it happens, you see, wow, there's more than enough. It doesn't make sense in the natural. And all my tithers, I know you're like, amen, pastor, amen. I, you know, someone say, I can't afford to tithe. I need you to know you can't afford not to tithe. And there's something about it, but it has to be the foundation of our life. And, and look at this, and I'm going to go to the next point. Look at this. Why is it that the enemy would cause us to struggle so much with this one thing? It's not like giving offerings or helping people. Nobody struggles with that. You know what people struggle with? They struggle with the tithe. It's like, well, that's not even New Testament. Well, I can go back and show you. Actually, Jesus quotes it and said, you should do that. That's, he's talking to the Pharisees. Like, that's the least you could do, but you need to love and be kind to people. And he goes on and tells them other things. He's like, that's the baseline. That's the simple things. Money, that's the, we should have settled that a long time ago. But how come it's so hard for us? It's because of what tithing does in our hearts. I want you to see this verse, Deuteronomy 14, 23. I think some of you have never seen this before, and I don't know that I've ever shared it in this way, but I think this is going to be a turning point for you. The purpose of tithing. Everybody say purpose. Now, I want you to know it is not because heaven's broke. Come on. God is not in a recession you know what I'm saying? Because the mentality is, well, church is broke. God, God's not broke. God's, God's not in recession. But there is a purpose to the tithe. And look at what he says here. He says, is to teach you. Who's you? That's you. That's me. That's us. Always to put God first in your life. But, but pastor, I thought when I raised my hand and I prayed that prayer that, that, that that's when I put God first. That's when salvation happened. How many know putting God first after salvation is a choice we have to choose? Like I'm born again. Devil's not going to steal my salvation. But how many have ever been in a moment where something was before God? Yep, God, I got a little too busy. Stop going to church there. Stop giving here. Stop. Tithing is the thing that tethers our heart that says, no, no, baby, you can't drift from God. Why? Because I tithe. God, you're first. He didn't say what you say. He didn't say what you did. So you can serve on the dream team. You can say hallelujah. You can shout. He didn't say that. He said it is when we tithe, that's how we put God first in our life. Now, doesn't that make sense why the enemy would try to lie to people about tithing? See, you think it's about money, but it's really about your heart. I rarely find someone ever leave the church when they're tithing. Isn't that interesting? See, the Bible says where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart will follow. See, some people think, well, where my heart is, my treasure will go. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. So that first 10% is a submission of my treasure and saying, God, I willfully, you saved me, you love me, I owe you my life, and I'm not just going to talk about it, I'm not just going to do it in the natural, but I'm going to put my equity, my currency of life, which is money, which is your system, and I'm going to put it there. Why? Because that tethers me to the center to where, God, you are the first. You are the primary. we got to settle this issue, and ties has to be the foundation of our life. Second thing is you got to plan your generosity. I firmly believe that we as believers fail many times to plan our generosity. Now, we do it all the time with shopping. Anybody ever cut coupons? Anybody ever, come on, you get those, those deals and you go and you plan. You're like, hold up, wait, 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 I got a few coupons for this. See, we're planning our spending. How many go buy groceries? You don't usually, well... I don't because I've learned if I go to Costco without a budget, I'll spend 1200 bucks. I'm like, 1200 I'm like, good Lord, what did we buy? Like, did I buy a laptop, a, a MacBook? I mean, no, no, we just bought groceries. That many groceries? I got six people. How do we need 1200 bucks in groceries? It's because I didn't plan my visit. So we plan all the time, right? How many plan for Christmas? You're like, I plan to get Black Friday so I can get all my Christmas presents for really cheap, right? What about birthdays? We got six people in my family have birthdays, and they, the five of them start all the way from uh, March to May. You talk about pray for someone. You just pray for me right now. I got a couple more coming up, and we have to budget how much we're going to spend, or you'll get to the summer. You've spent thousands on credit cards. You're like, what did we do? We celebrated. Great, we're broke. No. So we plan how we spend, but I wonder if you've ever planned how you give. You see, so we, we, we as people, we say, I want to be generous, but it's going to be spontaneous. Have you ever had a lot of money when you're spontaneous? No, no. If you want something worthwhile, I mean, no, you got to plan for it. You don't go on a spontaneous vacation. Oh, let's go to Disney World. I got 12 bucks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> No, what? You're going to Disney World. We're going to be saving. We're going to be planning. We're going to invest it. And so my concern is we got people that want to be generous, but they don't plan their tithes. You know, you got to plan tithes. It's got to be part of your budget. You want to be generous, but look, we, we do a legacy offering every year. And God moves on you. It's like, man, Phyllis and I save for the legacy offering all year because we know it's going to happen every year in December, second weekend. We got the heart for the house offering coming up. I'm asking you to ask God, what do you want, what, God, what do you want me to give? And then just obey God. But how many know when God speaks to us, many times it's far more than we would have done if God had not spoken to us. Come on, somebody. It's like, well, I thought you want me to do this. And God's like, no, I want you to do this. And you're like, but, but I can do this. He's like, I know, but I want you to do this, but I'm going to have to work really hard for this. And he's like, yeah, but I'm trying to make you a conduit because I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. You understand that's how God works. But for us to do that, we have to plan generosity. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7. It says, you must, oh, wait, no, let me do the verse before that. Isaiah 32, 8. It says, but generous people plan. Everybody say plan. plan. To do what is generous. So if you've not put a plan of giving together, then the time now is that I want to be generous. I'm going to put together a plan. And it says, and they stand firm in their generosity. In other words, I built a plan, and we're going to work the plan. So now let's go into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You must decide in your heart how much to give and not give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now that's how come in our church history we have never done but one spontaneous offering. We did one after Hurricane Harvey. I felt led to do a spontaneous offering. 
But for me, the way I look at it, and I'm not saying we'll never do one, but God's never moved on me to do a spontaneous offering. Why? Because I want to decide in my heart. I want to talk to my wife. I want to talk to my kids. I want to pull it together and say, okay, God, we're going to give this, and now we give it cheerfully. Can I get an amen? amen? So we don't give out of pressure. We give out a purpose. And here's the last thing. you got to start being generous now. If you want a breakthrough now, then now is the time for you to be generous. You don't wait until a later time. Look, Philemon 1.6 says, And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all good things we have in Christ. So he said, look, put into action your generosity. And how did the generosity come? By faith. Everybody say faith. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm sharing scripture with you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some of you have been stuck in a bad mindset and it's time for God's word to renew your mind. Why? Because he's trying to break you into a brand new season. And so we put into practice what it is that God's speaking to us to do, the generosity, the acts of kindness. And listen, it's not even just about the offerings here. How many know you ought to be generous at the, at the restaurant? Can they please, for the love of God, know that if they wait on an Anchor Bend member, they're going to be tipped more than 15%. 15% is a minimum. Can we tip them 20%, 25%, 50%, 100%? Can they say, my God, I want to wait on anybody who goes to Anchor Bend Church? Why? Because you're generous. You're just like, man, I'm going to do and put into action the generosity that I'm able to do. So we got to make sure that our lives are putting that into action. Now, I get it. Listen, we're getting ready to close. And I get some of you could be saying, well, pastor, you don't understand um, I'm in debt, like I'm really struggling. You were talking about that bondage thing and you were talking about you know, being a slave to the lender and I'm finding myself in that situation. What I need you to know is the best way to get out of that situation is to sow your seed when God speaks to you to be generous. God can only multiply what is given. Let me say it again. Pastor Willie said it last weekend and I didn't know if you actually got it or not. God doesn't multiply what's left. He blesses that. God multiplies what is given. And that what is given is considered seed that we give. Look, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 10. Look at this. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. So he, who's that? That's God. He supplies seed to the sower. So here's what we have to understand, that in our life, God gives us even when we're in a situation of lack. God gives to us even when there seems to not be enough. You say, well, God, I don't have anything. Pastor, I'm broke. That's a great place for you to be. Now what you need to do is go back to this scripture, which is in your message notes, and you got to say, God, from this moment on, I repent of not being a sower. I need seed. Why? Because I am now a sower. And when you give me seed, I'm not going to go pay it on Visa, MasterCard, American Express. They don't have the power to bless my finances, but you do. And so because of that, I'm now going to give that seed wherever you tell me to give it. 
And that is what God will use to multiply. And then what you'll see is you have extra. You continue to give as God says give. And then what's left over, you pay off the debt. You don't go buy more stuff. You don't go buy a bigger house. You don't go buy a nicer car. You pay the debt off. And then what happens is you're sowing and you're reaping and you're sowing and you're reaping. And an amazing thing within the matter of whatever time it is, you now find yourself debt-free, able to bless people and be a blessing to the world around you. And I, I get it. Listen, uh, Eli, come out here with me. I get it. You know, sometimes someone could look at me and say, but you don't understand how much we really are struggling. I just want to encourage you. I've been there. I have been. You know, and, and you don't have to be poor to struggle. I mean, you know, everybody who doesn't have a lot, you always think, well, rich people don't struggle. Oh, they struggle. Everybody struggles. I remember, you know, so when we talk about this and we talk about God giving us something that we can give so that he can bless us back and get us out of this situation, I just, I just remember, man, I was, from the time, actually, from the time I was 17, 18, Steve and I had started all these businesses. We were young entrepreneurs. We uh, actually started a t-shirt company when we were 16, 17, 18, 19. We started a gold-plating business. By the time we were 19, we bought seven properties. We were on paper worth over a million dollars, but how many know paper don't, don't pay bills? Come on, you got all these properties, feast or famine, cash flow, and opened up a restaurant um, shortly after that, and then the restaurant did over a million dollars in sales in a year, and 30 employees, things were great. I mean, life is moving in a powerful way. I'm like, oh, God, you're awesome. I'd just given my life to Christ. Restaurant is blowing up. and I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I'm thinking, God, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, I woke up one day, and the landlord and I had a disagreement, so no fault to my own, the restaurant shuts down. And so we were used to living at this lifestyle in this way, and now I'm flat broke. And, and then this is where you get mad. You're like, God, I, we were bussing in the homeless, we, we let the church, had the church, we borrowed their bus, and we'd go down to the downtown Port Arthur, bus in the homeless. I had all my employees volunteer to serve them, bless you, fresh seafood. And then before I was ever a pastor, I would preach to them. You know, that was back, I mean, you, you think it's bad now. You should have seen it back then, you know. And I'm just preaching my guts out, good say, you know, and we're blessing them and we're serving them. And then all of a sudden to lose everything, just one more. What I do? What I do? And I'll never forget this season, it was about a year long, I committed to not filing bankruptcy. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to file bankruptcy. I got three jobs. I started speaking with makingaccountmonster.com. We were traveling all in Texas. I was working construction during the day on the days that I wasn't speaking into schools and uh, traveling in Texas. And then I would wait tables at Texas Roadhouse. Come on, somebody. I'd eat me some biscuits and go wait on people. Them rolls, you know. But it was, it was a very interesting season. I, I remember going to get a job at the Roadhouse. They didn't hire me. I had to go back three times. He said, yeah, but you used to own that restaurant. You're way overqualified. You talk about humility. You talk about humbling yourself. He's like, bro, like you used to own that. Why would you come wait tips? I'm like, I'm desperate. We are broke, and I just need a job. And I told him, I said, listen, if you give me a job, I'll be the best waiter you have ever had. Man, I went in there waiting tables. And you, can you imagine waiting tables on people at a restaurant when they used to come into your restaurant as the owner? 
hey, what happened? Oh, you, man, you must be an idiot. Like, how did you lose that? My God. You know, you just, the enemy fights you. And I just never forget this one time. I'm, I'm sitting in my house, and Phyllis didn't even know at the time. We had 10 cents. I do all the finances. How's it going? Oh, we're good, baby. We're good. We're good. <clears throat> I never forget sitting in my office. I pulled 10 cents out. I'm like, I got no gas. I know how, how you can run. How many know you know the gauge on your car? You're like, we, we got just about two or three miles left. We ain't going to make it there. You know, you run it on the E. I said, God, I can't even get there. And I wasn't going to tell Phil, so I just pray. I'm like, God, like I tithe. Like I've, I've done all the things right. God, I just, and I got in the car and didn't have any money, got to Roadhouse. I mean, it must have been the Holy Spirit filling up that gas tank because I made it that night to the Roadhouse. I'll never forget I made 100 bucks that night. Enough to get gas in the car and to move forward. So, so here's my point. What are you saying, Pastor? I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to not feel like you've got anything. And God would begin to bless me. And, and what I'm teaching you now is the result and the fruit of what you see in my life today. That back then when I had nothing, see the enemy of lies say, you ain't even got nothing to give to God. You can't be generous. What do you got? You're broke. You got 10 cents. I'm like, I may have 10 cents right now, but that ain't all I'm getting in my life. <clears throat> and we tithe, and every single moment, I'll never forget, God spoke to me. It was, it was all the money we had. I felt like he said to give it. I don't know if I was in a service but I, it wasn't even that much. I just said, okay, God, I feel like you said give it. I gave it. We couldn't pay our house. And when I'm talking about broke, listen, we had three properties that were in foreclosure. We had both of our cars that were being repoed. So you know what I mean? Where you, I, I've been there. I didn't park my car in my driveway. I parked it in my parents, which down the road and walked. Come on, somebody, because I don't want the repo man. Hey, Dad, you just park right behind me. Like, y'all just cover my car up. Just, I've been there. And I felt like in the midst of that, God didn't say go pay your car note. God didn't say go pay off that mortgage. God, you know, he said, I need you to give. Why? Because he needed me to put seed in the ground so that he can multiply that seed. And listen, I gave it not, not a week or two later. I'll never forget it. Sitting in my office, I hear a knock on my door. And a man, Henry Labrie, walks into my house and drops $5,000 cash on my desk. And he said, son, go pay your bills. And he walked out of my house. Do you think that money came from Henry? Do you think that money came from God? Isn't it amazing? It didn't take a lot. It just take the fact that, God, I'm going to give you what I got. And I wasn't saying, oh, money, 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 God. You go. No, I just, God, you tell me to give, I'm going to give. I don't care if I got 10 cents. I don't care what it is. You are my only hope. You're my only source. And I choose to be generous regardless of the circumstance. And that's where some of you are at this place. And not everyone, but I sense that even getting this message ready, I want you to know there's hope. There is hope. God is your source. And that's why I tell you, anytime you give, don't give under compulsion because someone's making you feel bad. Give where the Lord leads you to give. God, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever it is that you're saying to do. Why? Because he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Here's the last part of that scripture. I want you to see this because it's in scripture. Watch. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, uh, 8, chapter 8, verse 1 through 5 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches. Who's the churches? That's you. In Macedonia. 
So I want you to know what God has done to the churches in Rosenberg. It says they're being tested by many troubles, just like my situation. I mean, some of you are being tested. It's a test. The question is, are you going to pass the test? And it says, look, they are very poor. Come on, somebody. Somebody's like, that's me, pastor. Look, he's talking right there. Very, very poor. He didn't say like poor. Like, how many know there's a difference between poor and very poor? He said they're very poor. And look at what it says in the next verse. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. That my circumstance doesn't determine happiness. The presence of God determines my joy. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be trials. But we're going to choose to be generous because the joy of the Lord is in our heart. And then look at verse 3. For I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. So in other words, they gave more than what they could afford. They gave more than what was reasonable, and they did it of their own free will. Nobody made them. Nobody manipulates this. And they, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. In other words, look, giving's not a burden. It's a gift. It's precious. And look, at, man, it's, it's just amazing. Then the believers in Jerusalem, uh, for all the believers in Jerusalem. So what were they doing? They gave, and the kingdom of God in Jerusalem was established because of their generosity. It's amazing. And I, I want you to know this, that as you give, God's building his kingdom, not your kingdom. God's going to show the world that he is real. And, and even in your life, you just get ready. You expect, God, your blessing. I'm asking you for your blessing. However you want to do it, you do it. But I'm going to obey, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to do what you spoke to me to do. Why? Because God's going to use you to change the world around you. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray over you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. God, I ask you to move in our hearts. Lord, as I have shared your word and been faithful to what you spoke to me, God, I pray that you move on the hearts of your people. That, God, you're doing something inside of us. I sense, Lord, old mentalities, bad mindsets. They're being broken off. That, God, your word is what illuminates our heart with your faith. And God, I pray that our faith would rise up. That, Lord, when you speak to us, we don't have a scarcity mentality that when we give, there's less. Lord, we have a believer's mentality that says when we give, there's more. That, God, you multiply. And, Father, I'm asking even for those that in this place find themselves where I did so many years ago, God, I pray that you would speak to them in a real way. Speak to them in a powerful way. And, Lord, give them the faith to obey what it is that you say. And God, I thank you that you're blessing this church. And when I say that, you bless your people. So that, not that we could go buy a bigger building or property and all those things. God, we're going to do that. But God, the ultimate goal is that those things would touch the, the world around us. That God, everything we do, everything we invest in, everything we give to, it's all about souls. The lives being changed and hearts being touched and you being glorified that God, regardless of what the economy do, you are recession proof. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Now keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Uh, you know, we're talking about generosity, but the truth is you can't be gener generous without God at the center of your life. And I believe there are some of you here this morning that you've never fully surrendered your life to, to God. He's maybe been a part of your life, but you never said, I surrender. I make you the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. From this moment on, I repent of my old ways and turn to you to live a new life. And I believe right now God wants to do that, that there's a miracle about to take place. And some of you here ready to respond to the grace.
that God has and experience salvation. And I believe that's you. Listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but you say, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him and to make him my Lord. What I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. And before I do that, just as an act of surrender, if you just raise your hand, just say, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Just, yes, I see you. Anybody else, just right now, I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Yes, yes. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are. Amazing. Now I want to lead us in this prayer together. Let's say, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the grave. Today I put my trust in you. Save me. Set me free. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my old ways. Forgive me of all of my sins. I give my life to you fully and completely. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, worship God this morning.